Welcome. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to Bible Big Words, an episode series where we concisely define an important or complicated Bible word to encourage you in the knowledge of God's truth. In this episode, we will define the word glorification and describe with detail the significance, purpose, power, and splendor of this, the most climactic moment for the believer in Christ. I would like to begin by reading a few short passages from the Bible, beginning with Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, where Paul writes this, our citizenship, our meaning believers in Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. And from heaven, we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to subject all things under his control, will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Daniel writes in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, that those who are wise, meaning spiritually, shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness, meaning those who serve God's mission in this world in Christ, will shine like the stars forever and ever. And Jesus says in Matthew 13, 43, the righteous, meaning those who have been accredited with his perfect life and righteousness, and he has paid their their debt for in his salvation, the righteous shall shine like the sun, S-U-N, in the kingdom of their father. Wow. The word glorification comes from the word glory. In Greek, doxa, which means manifestation of glory, majesty, or splendor. A state characterized by honor, power, and remarkable appearance or splendor. Certainly glory is first and foundationally applied to God himself, his character, his attributes, and his appearance, which are perfect, excellent, majestic, and full of splendor and glory. But for the believer in Christ, there is a hope of glorification, where we too will take on and be transformed into a state of glory, power, and splendor. Not meaning that we will become divine like God, but we will have the appearance and the character of splendor. Glorification is the process 
by which or when a believer in Christ is transformed into the state of glory, power, splendor, and remarkable appearance. This is magnificent. And this is the hope for every believer throughout history. This is the climax of our life and the hope of life for the believer. When will this occur? Well, glorification will occur at the return of Christ, at the second coming of Christ Jesus. As Paul writes in Colossians 3, 4, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 1 John 3, 2, what we will be has not yet been revealed, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. This glorification will occur at the second coming of Christ, where those who have already died in Christ, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, who are with Christ now in, in heaven will return with Christ, and they then will be glorified as, at his return. And if we, you, if you're still alive, if you're a believer in Christ or become a believer in Christ before he returns, you will be transformed into a state of glory at his return. What will be the cause of a person's glorification? Well, quite frankly, this is the grace of God by the power of Christ. He, Christ, will transform us at his return, as the Bible says. And why will this occur? Why will glorification occur for believers? Well, for starters, it's God's will. Praise the Lord that it is his will to bring glorification, a state of glory to his people. But quite frankly, because we could not withstand the full glory of God right now and survive it. As God, the Lord says to Moses in Exodus 33, verse 20, no one can see my face and live. I suspect it would be much like that scene in the original Raiders of the Lost Ark when the German soldier opened up the Ark of the Covenant and he completely melted away immediately. If you or I in our current physical biological state were to withstand and stand in the, in the full glory of God right now, it would completely consume us for our God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. So we must be changed in order to enter the kingdom of God and to live in and to dwell with and to be in his full glory as we will share in his glory. Again, this does not mean that you and I will become divine like we will become God ourselves, but we will be radically changed to live with him for all eternity. And the big question is, what will glorification be like? What are the characteristics of our glorification? This is the big question. This is what people discuss, debate, and ponder And we will use the Bible to give as much detail as God provides into the state of glorification so we can know what are the characteristics or the details of glory. To do this, I will read a a section of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul is already addressing to his audience uh, rhetorically, someone will ask in verse 35, how are the dead raised? How How will people be changed? And then Paul goes on to discuss the variety of bodies that exist in our world from birds, animals, plants, humans, fish, etc. 
that there's a variety of glorious bodies in the sky, the sun, the moon, the nebulae, the galaxies. God has put all these together. And so what we will be is what God has determined. But what Paul will do in this, in, in this passage is he will contrast our current bodies, which quite frankly are significantly impressive. If you think about your human body and what it is and what it can do, and the fact that we were made out of dirt, literally, and that you have a brain and a nervous system, and that your brain is more powerful than a supercomputer, and you have a digestive system and a cardiovascular system, and just like Adam, you can see and smell and taste and think and hear and feel, and you have emotions, and you have balance, and and all these things you can do. And to think we were made out of dirt, and there's some of you that are exceedingly athletic, strong, and very fast, super impressive what the human mind can do, etc. But as Paul does now, we are radically insignificant compared to the glory that awaits in glorification. And here's what Paul writes in verse 42 of 1 Corinthians. The resurrection of the dead. Here's how it is. Your current body is perishable. It is sown perishable like a seed. Like you put a seed in the ground, a single seed, and it turns into a gigantic plant of wheat. So here's the contrast. Your body that, that exists now is sown perishable. Your body's perishing. You have a finite lifespan. It is raised imperishable, which means that in our state of glory, we will have a body that is never-ending. We will live forever, forever and never end, never die, ever. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Your current body is dishonorable. It is is suspect to sin. It has a history of sin. It is broken. It cannot fully serve perfectly the will of God. It is raised in glory. Your future body, your glorified state, will be one of perfection, of sinlessness. Think about that. The first man God made, Adam, who was without sin in our best state, physically, spiritually, and mentally at that time, without sin, could not last a week without doing what God told him not to do when sin entered the world. For those of us who belong to Christ, who are glorified, you will never sin ever for all eternity. All of us. It will never enter your mind or your behavior. You will be in a state of perfection. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Some of you are exceedingly strong. There's people in our world that can do amazing things with their body. They are so strong and fast. But according to the Bible, that's weakness. Extreme weakness compared to your glorified body, which is raised in power. You will be able to do things, I suppose, that you cannot imagine that you do now. Maybe even things that angels do. It is sown a natural body. Your current body is natural. It's made out of dirt. It's biological, flesh and blood. It is raised a spiritual body, meaning you will be a spiritual body, not a biological body, according to this passage. You will be tangible, touchable, recognizable, but you will be of a spiritual complex position. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, 
became a living being. This is true. The first human being was Adam. God made Adam out of dirt. He became a living being by the power and grace of God. The last Adam, which is code for Christ Jesus, the Son of God, became a life-giving spirit. It is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, chronologically. Then the spiritual. Listen carefully. The first man, Adam, was of the earth, a man of dust. Adam was literally made of dirt and with all of his complexity. And he was just like you and me. He had a brain, nervous system, digestive system. He had feelings. He had emotions. He could see. He could smell. He could taste. He could touch. He could feel. He could do. He, he, had, he had a will. He had a heart. The whole that made out of dirt, a natural man. He's made out of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so were those who are of the dust. Which is me now. I'm made out of dirt, quite frankly. As it is the man of heaven, Christ Jesus, so also are those who are of heaven. Now we know this, that Christ Jesus was not always a human being. The Son of God is eternal, and before his incarnation as the man Christ, he was a spiritual entity. Whatever composition, look, and appearance he had, it's hard to know from the Bible, but he became flesh when he became a baby in his mother's womb. He was not always flesh, but he is from heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, currently we look like Adam and Eve, we shall also bear the image of the man of of heaven. The question is, what image will we bear? His image when he was on earth after his resurrection, or his image now when he is on the throne in his glory that he departed? More on that in a second. Verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Right there, it seems clear that the glorified body is not one that is flesh and blood because flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable, meaning you can't live eternally in your current state. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning pass away or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment or a flash, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet, Apparently, there's an angel that will blow a loud trumpet blast as Christ is returning. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. You will be immortal. You're not, right now, you're a mortal body, you're a natural body, flesh and blood. We will be imperishable, glorious, powerful, a spiritual body, not flesh and blood. And as our passages have said, we will be like Christ's glorious body. The question is, what is Christ's glorious body that we will be like? I will say it is his current glorified state. It is a state of glory that the Son of God departed from when he became man. This is what Jesus says in his prayer to the Father in John 17, verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me 
in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. There's a glory that the Son of God had prior to his incarnation, which I believe, and others do too, he now is re-residing in, in his current state in glory. This is what probably Jesus showed John and James, Peter and Andrew, on the mountain of transfiguration, when he radically transfigured before them. Matthew 17, verse 2. All of a sudden, these four men, these, these first chosen disciples, are on this mountain with Christ, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shined like the sun, S-U-N, and his clothes became white as light. And as, as Luke writes in Luke 9, verse 32 of the transfiguration, these four men saw Christ's glory. And as Peter would write in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, that he and these others were eyewitnesses of Christ's majesty and splendor. This is what he showed them on the mountain of transfiguration, this bright light. He somehow peeled back his, his incarnated, his flesh, and showed them his true glorious identity. Many will suggest that Christ was glorified at his resurrection because he mysteriously just appeared to his disciples in the upper room, and he was not recognized by some familiar disciples when they met him on the road uh, soon after his uh, resurrection in Luke 24. But I would say these things that Jesus did that day are not that much different than what he did in his life when he walked on water or when he was in the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in John 6, and then bam, immediately the boat was at shore, and how he could just disappear from a large crowd of people who wanted to kill him, Luke 4. I think that our glorified state is more like the transfiguration that was seen by John and James, Peter and Andrew. And in fact, as, as John himself writes in Revelation, when he is approached by Christ. Now, this is Jesus's best friend, or the disciple Jesus loved. The man, if you say, as close to Christ as any other, John, here's how he describes Christ in Revelation. The one, when he hears someone talking to him, who is Christ? I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, verse 12, Revelation 1, and, and here's what I saw. One like the Son of Man, clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. His hairs of his head were white, white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is a man that walked with Jesus and knew Jesus more than anyone, John. And when he sees Christ in this state of glory, he does not even recognize him. And then Jesus says, it is me. Jesus says in John 17, 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory. 
Whatever the exact detail of our glorification, it must be understood that it is remarkable, brilliant, it is full of splendor and glory. And what we will be has not yet been revealed, First John. It will be marvelous. This is the hope of the believer. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, or my friend, please, if you become a genuine follower of Christ Jesus, know this, that God has planned the day at the return of Christ where you will be radically changed and there will be no more sin, no more pain, no more hurt. You will be changed into an imperishable, never-ending, never-sin, perfect, glorious, powerful body to live and reside and see and enjoy and embrace the full glory of God. As Paul, excuse me, as Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13, set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus when you will be glorified and ushered into the glorious kingdom of God and you will see God the Father God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and a myriad of angels in all of glory for all eternity. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you very much for listening. Spread 